This episode of Dear Hank and John is brought to you by Blue Land. Did you know that uh, about 5 billion, billion? That's a de- I checked that because that's a lot. Plastic hand soap and cleaning bottles are thrown away every year. And if that's not bad enough, most cleaning formulas are 90% water, which is heavy. We're shipping around all this water using fuel when we don't have to. Every year, Americans throw away 25% more trash from Thanksgiving to New Year. This year, maybe turn the New Year's resolution into action that makes a difference by switching to Blue Land. Blue Land is on a mission to eliminate single-use plastic by reinventing cleaning essentials to be better for you and the planet with the same powerful clean you're used to. It's a simple idea. They have refillable cleaning products. They have a nice design. I have them in my home. It looks nice on your counter. You fill the reusable bottles with water, drop in the Blue Land tablets, wait for them to dissolve, and you never have to grab bulky, heavy cleaning supplies on your grocery run ever again. And refills, because they're small and you don't have to ship a bunch of water across the country, starts at just $2.25. You can even set up a subscription or buy in bulk for additional savings. From cleaning sprays to hand soap, toilet bowl cleaner, and laundry tablets, Laundry tablets, everybody, you know what I mean. All Blue Land products are made with clean ingredients that you can feel good about. Blue Land is trusted in over a million homes, including, yeah, mine. Blue Land has a special offer for listeners right now. You can get 15% off your first order by going to blueland.com slash dearhank. You won't want to miss it. Blueland.com slash dearhank for 15% off. Again, blueland.com slash dearhank to get 15% off. Cold open. Oh my gosh, it's happening. Hello, everyone. It's kind of not happening, but it also is, but kind of not. But you'll see. So here's the situation. I uh, am currently on a show, a, a show that is on the internet called Dimension 20. And the season is called Mentopolis. It's a lot of fun. It's a tabletop role-playing game show. And this season is uh, me and a bunch of cool people being inside of a man's mind and trying to solve mysteries. It's like a, it's like inside out, but noir detective thriller. And it's very fun. And you can watch the first episode for free on YouTube. And then the rest of them are behind a paywall uh, at dropout.tv, which is a subscription service that I quite like. And I'm a big Dimension 20 fan. And I was really excited to be on the show. And I am. And when I was like, okay, well, this show is going to come out, what we should do is we should record a bunch of podcasts with all the other people who are on the show with me. And then I got diagnosed with cancer and I got very busy with that. And I had only recorded one of them. And so, and I was, we were going to release them during the release of Mentopolis, which is now going on. So we're going to release the one that I recorded, which was, which is with Mike Trapp. Um, and you can get that. And it was recorded back before I had a diagnosis of any, I did not know there was anything wrong with me. And you can watch the first episode of Mentopolis on YouTube by searching Mentopolis on YouTube. So this is kind of not the thing. It's kind of, we're kind of not coming back, but the news is we also are coming back. We're going to start recording Dear Hank and John again, and they will start coming out in October. I believe that's the plan. Uh, they might come out a little bit sooner than that, but we'll see. We're still, uh, you know, in sort of a transitional phase. P- somebody used the phrase healing season. You're in a healing season with me the other day. And I'm like, yes, I am in a healing season and I'm going to try and take care of me as much as I can. So thank you. Uh, We're sorry that we went away for so long, and then we are very excited to come back. But in the meantime, I hope that you will enjoy this episode of Dear Hank and John, except it is not Dear Hank and John, it's Dear Hank and Trap. Hello and welcome to Dear Hank and John. Or as I like to call it, Dear Trap and Hank. It's a podcast where two brothers and sometimes a brother and a friend answer your questions, give you dubious advice, and bring you all the week's news from both Mars and AFC Wimbledon, but probably not that this week. Hello! We're got we're joined by a special guest today. This is Mike Trapp of Um Actually and various other cool things that have happened in the world, college humor stuff, and uh sometimes Dungeons and Dragons things. Hello! Hello, thanks for having me. Do you know why do you know why you're on my on Dear Hank and John? Um, I, I mean, I think it has something to do with the fact that we, we have recorded and 
uh, hopefully by the time this comes out, put out um, yeah. a season of Dimension 20 called Mentopolis. And we had a great time playing. We did. Playing, I was going to say D&D together. I guess it was kids on bikes. But we, yes. we, we tabletop together. We had a great time. And now we we're just we're keeping the party going. It's been so hard to not talk about this. I don't know how people do that. I am a YouTube boy and I live a YouTube life. And to have made a piece of content, I, like I don't even know, like months, almost mm-hmm. a half a year between when it was recorded and when it comes out is very uncomfortable for me, especially when I have been as excited about it as I am about this. Yeah, you don't get that instant gratification. I, I mean, I've been I've been writing for uh, animated shows since 2020. And mm-hmm. what are some of your credits? Well, that's what I was just about to say. I can't oh, talk yeah. <laughs> about any of my credits because they haven't come out yet. Oh, no. They're like, what have you been doing for the past like three years? And it's like, well, um, one is a show <laughs> that hasn't come out yet. I don't think I'm even allowed to talk about it. Uh, well, I'm, I, I think I can say that I'm writing on Big City Greens right now, but the stuff I'm writing... It won't yeah. come out for another two years or so. So like people are like, I want to check out your things. It's like, you can't. I, I either can't yeah, talk yeah. about it or you gotta wait. <laughs> I'm writing things that are going to come out of the the, the mouths of animated characters in three years' time. Yes. It's great. <laughs> it's a it's a fun job. <laughs> if you've ever wondered why there's not a lot of topical content on an animated show. I will say though, I kind of love that. I, after after writing for the internet for years and like sort yeah. of needing to be like on top of everything and like have a take, it's really actually kind of refreshing to to write stories that are like you're kind you kind of just have to write like timeless human stories because uh, it's like it'll yeah. be a while before it comes out, so don't don't link it in time too much, you know. I um I walk in I walked into the experience of have having watched a lot of Dimension Twenty. Seen, seen you on Dimension 20, seen a lot of these other people on Dimension 20. And uh, and like sitting down with people, the majority of whom are professional improv comics and comedy writers. Yeah. Very intimidating, you guys. <laughs> they did this thing that was really, as it's not meant, there will, there will be regular Dear Hank and John, but they did this thing that was a very good idea where the, the day before we started recording, we played a, a little game together. Yeah. Like, like, you know, we kind of developed some relationships and we played, uh, you know, a one one session in the world that was not recorded. And um, it actually I put it on my phone because I was I'm such a fanboy. I was like, I want to <laughs> save this. So I recorded it on my phone so I can listen to it <laughs> just That's for me. Great. And um, and it was that that was the scariest moment aside probably from like the very first like time i had it was like my turn to go and develop my story a little bit but then it like went so well everybody's so crazily supportive and you in particular like your your character you immediately embody this did this horrible man he's not horrible he's a good guy but he's like not an effective person no and uh uh but but uh i like the the character you created was just such a delight. So I'm so excited to have people actually watch it. It's on Dropout TV, which does cost money. I apologize. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, sorry for promoting what you have to pay for. I'm sorry, sorry. Got so much good stuff though on it. Uh, but yeah, I, th- I think you're right too. That like the this I think that is why that there is that session zero where because like that is the scariest yeah. point where it's like oh I'm playing for an audience, but I'm also playing for the people at this table. And if you can like uh-huh. get one session to like clear out the the anxiety about the people at the table and be like we're all friends here here's yeah. one less thing to worry about like we'll get comfortable uh-huh. and then we'll worry about entertaining uh, all the people out there yeah. yeah and i was like aren't we gonna make this like a patreon exclusive or something and they were like literally no the point <laughs> is that there's no audience yes just accept it which was hard for me because yeah. uh, <laughs> you can monetize this. <laughs> you, you're telling me that I'm not supposed to talk right now, uh, that I'm not currently making content. I don't know what that's like. <laughs> me walking through the forest and filming things, being like, I bet I should make a video about lichen. <laughs> that's my life. Um, so you want to answer some questions from our listeners, Trap? Let's answer some questions. Yeah. Oh, I I miss y'all so much. It's we've filmed for like five days and I'm like, uh, my summer camp friends. It, that is what it feels like. It's like a series of like brief, intense uh, mm-hmm. and like you go through a big adventure together and then it just yeah. all kind of fades away. 
Yeah, and every, somebody cooks the food for you. It's yeah. great. Just like summer camp. <laughs> <laughs> All right. This first question comes from Hannah, who asks, Dear Hank and Trap, why is it called Eastern and Pacific time? Why not Eastern and Western or Pacific and Atlantic? Never been to Montana, Hannah. For clarity, and I've said this before on the podcast, <laughs> Hannah Montana is not from Montana. Her last name is Montana. <laughs> she is from Texas. I don't know why her last name is Montana. I guess just because it sounds good. It is a <laughs> constructed a identity reason. after all. It does feel like time zones are sort of named a little willy-nilly, especially when you cram mountain time in there where it's like, hey, <laughs> that's <laughs> it's right. where the mountains we're, are. We're cramming it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I do think like I don't I don't know the answer to this. I'm going to venture a guess here. Uh-huh. I'm going okay. to venture a guess that it is um, that everything is coming from like an Eastern centric point of view. Cause that does uh-huh. seem to be how things go where it's like, uh-huh. well, clearly this is Eastern time. And then for them, everything, everything after that is Western. So like, well, yep. we have to be more specific than Western because the rest of the country, that's just, that's all West. <laughs> and like, they needed to like define it more. That's kind of my guess, but the, you, we don't, I don't know that there was like an oral history of how this happened, but that is definitely part of it. That yeah. the West, what we consider to be West is so big that you can't have a Western time because I am in Montana, which is definitely the West. Like mm-hmm. it's, you don't really you think of Montana as more western than you'd think of California being yeah. or Oregon. But uh and so you, so it's like mm, can you really can you say western? Um but also importantly there is an Atlantic time zone. Ooh. It is the one that is east of eastern. So Puerto Rico is in it, the Virgin Islands are in it. Um and so the that was taken or I don't I don't know. Somebody had to name these things. So it was <laughs> so, so there there is an Atlantic and a Pacific time. It's just that it, those are not referring to the the parts of the U.S. that are Atlantic and Pacific. Interesting, though, there's a lot of Pacific out there that there is also is in different time zones. Yeah, that's true. Because you get the other end of the Pacific. <laughs> yeah, there's a, there's so much Pacific that it seems it's a little bit nuts that america's like this is pacific time it's the part that it's the part that contains a very narrow slice of the pacific ocean yeah it's like what about the biggest of the ocean what about like a lot of asia and and what about yeah. parts of russia and, and hawaii and, and the polynesian <laughs> islands like that's all pacific too yeah i mean the, the part that's put the pacific time zone should be the one that has the least stuff in it <laughs> and i have no idea what that the, that time zone is called but yeah, it, I I was just a little bit surprised to find that there was an Atlantic time zone. Yeah, even though obviously lots of people live in it. Yeah, it feels like that. The, like just thinking about how this, this sort of like Eastern centric view of like so much West. It's like I still sort of feel like sometimes when when people talk about like the Midwest, it's like you know, it's like it's like a lot of that's more <laughs> East than it is West. Yeah. Like you could call it the Midwest, but like I don't I don't know. Like where you? It's all like it's just pure historical reasons why it's like yeah. Yeah. It's because the people on the East Coast as and as a person in Montana, mm-hmm. I'm I accept your <laughs> lack of interest in what's going on. Uh and that's fine. It's fine. It's fine. But also if just a tip, if you ever if you ever say to me, um, oh Montana, I go there sometimes. And because uh, what I'm going to hear is I go skiing or fishing there. Like I go to Whitefish or I go to Big Sky, uh, which is a ski resort. I know what you mean. I know what you mean. You don't go to Montana. You like fly in on your private jet and you do a thing and then you leave again. I remember um, when I, so I I grew up a military brat, so I moved around a lot. And when I moved from uh, from California to Maine, uh, I remember uh, I, talking with a lot of people, and they were like, "Oh, what, you know, what, what part of California did you just come from?" And I was like, "Oh, you know, around 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 San Francisco, around the Bay Area." And the number of times people would say something like, "It's like, oh, that's cool, cool." I, you know, I just visited San Diego uh, last summer, <laughs> and and like I'd have to sort of like explain, it's like, I, you're, the, the California geography, like, you have to understand that would be like me being like, "Oh, I'm so glad to be here in Maine. I went to North Carolina." <laughs> <laughs> you know, last summer it's like it, it's really it's pretty far apart there's a lot ca- of space yeah i got confused by san diego for a while i don't <laughs> like i don't know it particularly i was like i don't know could be anywhere yeah could be really anywhere between la and san francisco and i don't think it even is no no it's it's south of la <laughs> <laughs> i figured that out now i've yeah. gotten there 
I actually am going to San Diego shortly. We'll have already gone when this podcast comes out. And I was like, I can take the train from San Diego to Los Angeles. And I did. I booked the train ticket on Amtrak. And they were like, mm-hmm. here's your train ticket. It's going to be amazing. It's like you could go three times uh, on this day. I picked my time. I'm going to be up there. And then they sent me an email and they were like, that train line doesn't exist anymore. And uh, But we can get you on a train, take you to a bus stop. You could take mm-hmm. a bus to another train station and then take a train to Los Angeles. And I was like... I, I, I will drive. Like, yeah. <laughs> uh, that's fine. That's no thanks for that. I remember um, I was so excited about, about my train trip and it's just canceled. It's also, it was like supposed to be like one of the most beautiful train trips you can take. Cause it just like goes along the beach in Southern California. It's just oh. like, look at the waves. I, I still, I, I remember hearing about this. I wasn't clear whether it was a permanent closure or whether, cause I think it was somehow related to like, um, the like rains washing away some important oh. part of the tracks or something. So I wasn't sure yeah, whether it was like, important. oh, we have to rebuild some things or whether it was yeah. like, no, we're permanently closing this. But, were, whether they were like, well, the train broke, so uh, it's America and yeah. we're not going to fix that. <laughs> I mean, there was there was a period uh, a year or two ago where there was a portion of, of the Amtrak line in Big Sur that like there was a big old mudslide and washed it away. And it was the same thing. It's like, we'll take you halfway to San Francisco and you can get on a bus and go through the mountains and we'll <laughs> unload you on the other side. They keep going. It's like this is none of this is is efficient or logical at all. Yeah, we'll figure out trains uh, right around the time when <laughs> we like right before we invent transporters from Star Trek. Right, uh, and don't need them anymore. <laughs> I'm glad that we figured out the answer to your question. By which I mean we definitely did not. This next yes. question comes from Leah, who asks, "Dear Hank and also Trap, what would happen if I blended my smoothie for a whole year?" I assume the smoothie would be blended so hard that it would just disintegrate into nothingness. But uh, feel free to prove me wrong. Have a blended day, Leah. Yeah. Uh, so so we're talking about a single smoothie, One smoothie. in a blender. One and blender. you turn it on and you just let it go for the whole year. One year. I So I assume that uh-huh. there is a point uh-huh. at which you hit like, terminal smoothness uh <laughs> like a sort of terminal velocity yeah, like there's a point yeah, at which it's like this is uh-huh. as smooth as this, this smoothie's gonna nothing get nothing new to cut yeah. yeah everything that can get cut got cut yeah but Correct. then i then i sort of start but what i kind of started wondering with this was what mm. happens to like does the movement does the motion keep like bacteria from no. developing on this that <laughs> certainly not right uh, yeah i think we got a couple of problems right <laughs> <laughs> you're saying i shouldn't drink the smoothie at the end of this yeah okay. yeah i mean i actually i do wonder because i you know mold does re- most i think that mold actually not all funguses but mold specifically do require for the fungus to be able to build a structure mm-hmm. uh with all of that stuff sort of tied together and sort of hyphy like these like root structures that would also be getting blended. So right. like they wouldn't be able to form a mold. Bacteria don't care. They're <laughs> like, ooh, fun. Like it's a it's a roller coaster and food. Uh the, <laughs> not, not that it's like it'd be like a water slide made of smoothie for a bacteria. Sure. It's they just, just like you're having, having a, a great time. <laughs> and and it's kale and carrots and apple juice. Great. Uh-huh. Um so I think that it would you know what my, if there's my like question honey is, or something kind of antibacterial in there? Is that going to help at all? Well, there is a way to put enough something in there that that. So this is what this is correct. This is the correct course of action. I like okay, this. Great. <laughs> we'll put something in the smoothie that makes it so the bacteria don't grow, or we dose it with a bacteria that's like cool, like uh, like mm, the, the that'll like outcompete, like a like a lactobacillus or something, or like, like a like a yeast, yeah, okay. like something good that actually maybe makes it into booze, uh, mm. and then you got a booze smoothie at the end of the year, and that's surprise. You thought you were gonna get the smoothest <laughs> smoothie of your whole life, but actually you're drunk. Um, and it's like a, it's like you know, kind of a chill kombucha vibe. Sure. Um, I think there's also. A, a reality that your smoothie smoother is going to be adding energy to the system the whole time. Mm. And I'm worried about the heat that your smoothie might get up to. Yeah. I was wondering too, but I mean, we should talk about the heat for sure, but also like just the pure mechanical <laughs> uh, problems of this engine running for, like, I feel like I get, yeah. I get nervous running my blender for like 
like, like for like a, like sixty seconds, I'm like, this is too long. This is crazy. You know, like, it's like, making a lot of noise. Yeah, it's that's like, I loud. feel like I feel like I'm break actively breaking something just by having this running. To have it running for a full year, it's like I feel like that. That we'll we'll talk about the heat first. Though. <laughs> no, I, like so. I think that if we took a blender from the 60s, that mm-hmm. thing would just keep going. That's yeah, they basically don't make them like they used to. <laughs> that's exactly. So we we have to we have to get an old an old one because nowadays I think you're right. I think they'll just shake themselves apart in in 25 minutes. But those those 60s blenders they were made by people who were making airplane engines, like mm-hmm. the same man, not the same company, <laughs> the same man right. made. <laughs> Both the smoothie and the airplane engine, and it's just going to go on the same uh, for... wonderful day where he was like he accidentally chucked a banana into the jet engine. And was like, holy moly, this goop's delicious. <laughs> we're we're really going to change things around here, Jeff. <laughs> um, uh, uh, yeah, I don't like. I think the heat in this system, the main like, I think that you might actually get some. Well, also you're gonna there's gonna be oxygen in there. Mm-hmm. And it's just gonna be oxidized, like you, you know, like a banana in a, in a in a room. It's not it's gonna, gonna get be real good. brown. It's even if there's no bacteria around it, it just it will break down. And so I think that what you're gonna end up with is very smooth. And if you <laughs> dosed it, if you got a good blender that's from the '60s, mm-hmm. and uh, and you keep and maybe maybe you have like a like a thing in there to keep the temperature good. You're going to have a very – and some antibacterials. You're going to have a very smooth smoothie that's going to taste not good. <laughs> <laughs> but how smooth is it? Does the smoothness make it worth it? <laughs> it's it's going to be a textural experience. If it's like a level of – it's like I am transcending to another plane of how this smooth might be, this is. This might be how life happened, you know? <laughs> it's like you take a bunch of uh, non-living chemicals, uh-huh. mix them around, add some heat. Maybe you maybe you invent life again. That would be. I, I mean, yeah, this is this is like a new like Frankenstein thing where it's like, oh, yeah. <laughs> I, mm-hmm. I just wanted to have a very smooth smoothie, and somehow I've uh, I've become God. I yeah, have uh, yeah. created life, and I don't know what to do with mm-hmm. my own creation. Yeah, okay. it has thoughts now and feelings, and it doesn't want to die. Jamba Juice yeah. sells it for eight bucks. <laughs> yeah, but not as a smoothie, more as a friend, <laughs> yeah. just a companion. <laughs> And if I get if I get if I get ten of these, the next one's free. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> you can't keep making these things, Jamba Juice. They have thoughts. They have feelings. This is an ethical they're, problem. They're normal men, <laughs> just innocent men. Okay, here's another one. It's from okay. Andrew, who says, "Hello, blank and blank." So it's almost like they knew. <laughs> Hello, Hank and Trap. I I'm a high school teacher, and I get to overhear some of the greatest sentences ever. Recently, I had two students walk into class arguing, and one of them said, you're hallucinating. Potatoes are infinitely more versatile than cheese. Oh, wow. To which a third student across the room yelled, I've been preaching this for years. (laughs) What is objectively and or subjectively the most versatile food, slightly more versatile than Gouda Andrew? I have strong and definite opinions on this subject. I I have thoughts on this, too. So. My my immediate thought was just a, just mm-hmm. an answer to to the the debate that was yeah, going yeah, on yeah. that was overheard, uh-huh. which is that uh-huh. I think cheese is easily more versatile than potatoes. I think cheese is easily more versatile than potatoes. I think I potatoes think are be... very versatile. I'm not taking oh, anything away sure. from chips, I come here fries, not to bake. besmirch the good name of potatoes. <laughs> Absolutely, one of the be- very best things that ever happened. A potato, <laughs> but I do think that. You know, you look at like cheese can go on almost anything. It can be a dessert. It can be a. It could be a whole meal. It's. Uh-huh. It, I think. I think there's. There's no question even here. Like I, I don't know how much we even need to get into this because it's like so clearly yeah. like knocking out of the I, park. I, I feel like these children do not understand. They haven't. <laughs> they haven't experienced anything like the true versatility of cheese. Yeah. I had a, once. I was. I was shopping. I was going to go shopping for my roommates and uh, in high in in college mm-hmm. and. The, and and they, someone had written cheese on the <laughs> list, and I said blank. This was his name. Yeah, I don't think that was his name when he was born. But I said blank. What kind of cheese do you want? And he said 
regular. This is an opinion of no. a person who uh, that th- that a p- that a potato is more versatile than cheese. That's an opinion of a person who who thinks there's a regular cheese. Yeah, there's by main which he meant, and everything else is a spinoff. By which he meant Kraft American singles. Oh, uh, okay, okay, that's regular cheese. Which I get. Okay, I, if. If there's a regular cheese out there, that's it. <laughs> uh, at least for at least for a, a, an American college student. But oh my god, so much cheese! But trap, yes, cheese, cheese. is a kind of another food. That was that was exactly my thought process too. Because it us. was like Look at potato like is brothers. a is a food in of itself, but cheese yeah. is a is a processed food. So uh-huh. if you're going to say that cheese is more versatile, you then also have to say well. Milk is more versatile than cheese yeah. because milk uh-huh. includes the subset cheese, but also everything yeah. else that milk does. But then and I also, also had the question. Does it also include all of the milks? Sure. Wait. So not just we're not just saying cow milk, all yeah. the milks. So Mouse and milk, milk as a general category. Milk, anything a mammal creates. Is walrus milk. Platypus whale milk. milk. Yeah. Yeah. Camel milk. Polar bears. Uh-huh. I also was wondering, and I'm curious what you think about this. Is salt a food? <laughs> no, actually, I think that this has come up on this podcast. Oh, no. Because <laughs> <laughs> salt's in everything. No, it's not as... salt's not. Yeah, and you don't turn salt into other stuff. You turn no. stuff into other stuff with salt. But yes. salt is a rock. Salt is a mineral. That's like, that. if that were the case, water would be the most versatile food. I mean, I, uh, I was going to broach this very question to you. Yeah. Because, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, at, like, milk is made of water and stuff. Uh, yeah. So, in that case, a cheese is made of water and stuff. Meat is made of water and stuff. But we just go down to the I, atomic level. We're, just, we're finally saying, like, <laughs> I think carbon. I think carbon's carbon, most versatile carbon's food. Pr- <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Definitely, it could it could be it can be each of the things. It can be salt. It can be carbs. It can be alcohol. It can be <laughs> the other one that I forgot. I, I also think there's potentially an argument to be made for. I was just thinking of like, well, what do we like? What do we grow a lot of? What do we eat a lot of? If I was just thinking, of like, and there might be an argument to be made for soy being an extremely versatile food. Yeah, soy um, and corn. Yeah, yeah, because those. I mean, like, just in terms of pure industrial uh, mm-hmm. uses. Those go yeah. into just about everything, and like you can have a you can have a meal that is like miso glazed soy with some edamame on the side, and it's like that's just like soy three ways. But yeah, but yeah. you you would kind of look at that and be like, yeah, that's a meal. Yeah. Whereas you can't really have like butter on cheese with the <laughs> glass of milk. Like that's, that's, nobody's having that dinner, not, not without know. severe regrets at the end of the night. <laughs> I could do it. I could pull this off. I, 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 you can't, I don't know that you can make like a bread out of cheese, but you can, well, you can't really well, make a soy I mean, bread, but I bet you can. I bet somebody has made soy bread. Yeah. And they make right? soy milk. And you can, you can like turn almost anything into a flour. It feels like you dry it out and grind it up. It and like, like it these days. Yeah. Yeah. Like it's not gonna be super <laughs> effective all the time, but it's like, yeah, here's uh-huh. your soy flour. You can do something with that. It's a it's a wild world that we live in now, where we've decided to flour everything. Yeah, everything gets uh, and also and milk milked. everything. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's shot. It's like like what milks are next? I mean, I'm I'm totally in favor of getting animals out of the process. It seems like a mm-hmm. lot to ask of another organism to be like, hey, I know that that's for your baby, but I'm a 42 <laughs> year old man and I want to put it on a cracker. So yeah. get on into this machine. <laughs> So I'm totally in favor of figuring out other solutions to this problem, uh, but I do wonder what we're going to milk next because yeah. I I didn't see cashews coming. Yeah, it feels like we've hit a lot of nuts. Well, plenty plenty more yeah. nuts left. Uh, there's a lot uh, of nuts left. There's a lot of. Like I want to say, just because also like cauliflower's been big in the like I'm pretending to be sure, something else game that maybe milk. cauliflower mm-hmm. milk sound that mm-hmm. sounds disgusting. Sounds like maybe someone's yeah. gonna try it. Um, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I fe- here's how I feel. I think that we've mm. been at cheese and milk products for longer. Like we've got ice cream and we've got yeah. got the, just the regular milk and we've got all the different cheeses and we've got curds and whey and I don't know what else we do. With there seems like we're doing a lot, but I think that we've been working at some of these other problems for less time, where we can actually like turn 
Like, I think, in my opinion, fungus is the future. I think that we're going to figure out how to make anything out of fungus. We'll have have mushroom milk and mushroom cheese and mushroom meat and mushroom everything. There's been a lot of dairy substitutes in my house lately because uh, my daughter has um my, my young infant daughter has a as a insensitivity to cow milk protein mm-hmm. um, which means that my wife cannot consume any dairy or eat any beef otherwise uh my daughter will have health problems when it, that protein passes through the breast milk and so we've been just trying like it's like what's this is this any good is this and uh uh, uh my wife was particularly fond of a of a fungus-based cream cheese uh substitute she was like this is actually pretty close it's like it's oh weird is it as nature's hell, find Yes. I love that. It's so good. It's like we did yeah. we did sponsors for them on SciShow. We did a whole thing <laughs> at Complexly to sponsor and like they sent us and now some of their chicken nuggets right and, and yeah, I mean their cream cheese is better than cream cheese. It's so good. <laughs> and it's, it's like yeah. based on the it's based on the fungus like grows in the hydrothermal vents at Yellowstone National Park or something. I love that. I like I yeah. If truly, if we can harness fungus to make me any food I want, like what a dream! What a horrifying dream! <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> a beautiful Grow horrifying dream. Yeah, <laughs> like people sometimes wrinkle their nose at like like meat grown in vat and grown in vats and things like that. And I, I'm kind of like, no, let's do that. That sounds incredible. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I'm trying to figure out what time zones are in the middle of the Pacific Ocean, but they don't have names on this map. Oh, there's got to be somebody who's maybe do. Do the time zones not all have names? Sure they do. They must. I mean, I guess it's... Well, I, who named them? And, and now I'm wondering. Now I'm like going back and thinking about this. Because like... Uh, uh, because it's... You're covering full vertical swaths of, you know, of the world. You're cutting across many countries every time you're like, this is the time zone. Do they have the same name in other countries? Yeah. Or did everyone agree like, yeah, yeah, like this is, this is what this time zone is? Right, right. Like, or is it like uh, it, it's got to be like a, like any other place name where like the people in, in the place call it something, and then everybody else calls it their like whatever they felt like that day. Like yeah, Florence like, is, is most of like, the Fiorenze. Eastern time zone in like Western South America, right? Because the because that aligns like that, right? I'm not looking at a map, so maybe I'm sounding yeah, like yeah, yeah. Right the Eastern now. time zone is Western South America. So do they call it the Eastern time zone in South America? That's a great point. What do they call it? <laughs> if you're from Peru, please let me know what you call your time zone. If you if you call it Eastern Time, that must be so annoying. You that's must be some, so mad. That's some that's some deeply <laughs> that's annoying some, colonial <laughs> stuff there. <laughs> like we decide this Eastern United States, everything here is to the east. <laughs> yep. <laughs> That's, you forget how far to the the, the east uh, South America is. But yeah, it's all over there. Isn't China all in one time zone too? Like they, they did just... put all of China in one time zone. China yeah. was like, here's what here's what we're gonna do. I know it sounds wild, but we're gonna go over a border, and time's gonna change by eight hours. <laughs> <laughs> trivia, trivia, boys here. Trivia, boys. <laughs> uh, speaking of which, what do you call a potato wearing glasses uh, while it's watching a football game? Hmm. What do you call a potato wearing glasses? It's a, well, it's, it's, a, it's a spectator. Aw, I kind of like that. <laughs> uh-huh. Thanks. You're welcome. And kind of. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's do another question here. It's from Mark, who asks, "Dear Hank and Trap, I was surfing Google Maps late last night. Go to sleep, Mark. <laughs> and I came across a town in rural Georgia with nearly completely circular, uh, a nearly completely circular boundary. It's called Homer, Georgia. Zooming out and scrolling around, I began to notice that, in fact, there were dozens of towns in Georgia and South Carolina with circular borders. Most have slight deviations from the circle to include this or that neighborhood or a plot of land, but many retain a puzzling circularity in my experience this is not how we create municipal borders in ontario canada (laughs) what gives what are these towns centered on as former residents of uh the u.s southeast do you guys have any idea i don't know did you ever live in the southeast trap i did not ever live in the southeast actually all the places um, yeah uh but but i bet you can guess distinct boundaries and dogwood trees mark what do you do you have do you have a guess i have a guess i have a guess that that if if you have a circular border, you have to be not close to other things for those circles to run into them to other towns. That's, that is yes, correct. Uh, yes. So I would I would guess that th- they are probably centered on 
um, either a church uh, or a like crossroads uh, that is like, mm-hmm. these are the two roads that go through our, where our town, you know, the town founding was here. And that will yep. either probably be like a church or a crossroads or some kind of point of commerce and be like yes, a 20 mile radius around like, this point. Where, yeah, where two rivers come together. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, and they just said everything within a certain distance from this point and mathematically defined the town. Yeah. Which I kind of love. Um, Indianapolis is actually like this, except instead of it being a circle, it's a square. And now it's like <laughs> added like little bits onto the side, just sure. like, you know, they incorporate new area. But if you look up Indianapolis, I, I do this because my brother lives there. And I'm like, this is not what i would have imagined things to look like uh, but yeah it's just a it's just a perfect little square it's beautiful um there's, I mean, there's a nice simplicity to to having like a perfect square or a perfect circle as like your borders and and certainly if you're trying to be like here are the borders of our town it seems very simple on paper to be like 12 miles out from this point or, or whatever it is and just sort mm-hmm. of like rather than being like the northern point is this and the southern is this but it does feel like you're gonna run into like rivers mountains other yeah. municipalities th- things that are like traditionally borders of towns and that like probably you have to make adjustments for that <laughs> i've just i've just zoomed in on the very precise center of homer georgia because i was like <laughs> well is it the crossroads uh-huh. and, and there is indeed a crossroads you are correct it's very okay. clear crossroads and the the as far as i can tell the exact center of homer georgia is about 300 feet north of the crossroads <laughs> so either so google annoying. maps is just messed with me <laughs> or the people who created homer georgia were a little confused that day like it's not like they had perfect surveying equipment right. so they like decided and drew the line and then they were like i oh, guess we're stuck with what we got i'm guessing that most of these towns these circular towns. I'm going to guess that a lot of them are are maybe on the smaller side. I don't know if yeah, that's Homer true or not. Yeah, Homer has uh, 1,300 people. Okay. I'm willing to bet that uh, almost all of these towns has like a field trip for third graders to go visit the center of town. And it's oh, like, you know, yes. <laughs> or it's like, it's, there's probably some plaque there in all of these or, or something just sort of being like, this is it. This, pretty cool, huh? <laughs> <laughs> I are I, I want to see if all of them are like this. Carnesville is kind of like that. Oh, he's right. They're all like this. It just became the way to do it. Hmm. Um, let's see where the center of Carnesville is. Oh no, it doesn't like that at all. Never mind. It's not going <laughs> to. You're me getting do too it. close Car- to the truth, Hank. You have to go back. <laughs> this is Google Maps. Just stops you. It'd be like you're, you're you're digging too deep. Stop looking. Stop looking at the center I, of Carnesville. I, I really love the idea that if you figure out that there's like some hidden code. <laughs> that if you figure out the like how far from the center of each town or something the circle the center of the circle actually is this is all like, takes one you to, like some like dan master. brown treasure thing yeah where you find the declaration of independence at the end of it or something <laughs> the deck yeah yeah it, it the, seems like the the the, the like, bones of george washington what will be like the fourth installment of national treasure or something yeah yeah <laughs> it's, like, it's like there's a code hidden in small towns in rural georgia oh yeah god yeah you just have to like yeah you gotta you gotta get a whole new outfit so you fit in <laughs> You get a pickup truck with a gun rack on it and go around and be like, look, I'm just a guy who likes history. It's no big deal. And then at the end of it, you're like, golden teeth. (laughs) I found George Washington's golden teeth. I'm a millionaire. They see they can bite through anything. (laughs) It's the only thing that can stop something bad. (laughs) If if you put them in your mouth, you become George Washington, 10 feet tall. We've all heard the legend, right? We've heard that legend. You put in George Washington's teeth, you become George Washington. Uh, Which reminds me that this this podcast is brought to you by, weirdly enough, George Washington's teeth. George Washington's teeth. The good ones, though. Uh, This podcast is also brought to you by the smoothest smoothie at Jamba Juice. It's so smooth, it's sentient. (laughs) <laughs> this podcast, additionally, is brought to you by the Eastern Time Zone in Western South America. That's some BS. <laughs> this time zone also brought to you by a lamp grown out of fungus. You can grow anything out of fungus if you try hard enough. Why not a lamp? <laughs> That's where the future is going. <laughs> so we all know there are things in life that you have to compromise on, but there are two things that you shouldn't compromise on. One is name brand Dr. Pepper. The off-brand stuff just doesn't hit the same. And another is, of course, your 
health. So don't go back to that one doctor who uses your appointment to catch up on the latest headlines or their family group chat or the crossword puzzles just because they're available right now or take your slightly sketchy insurance. Instead, check out ZocDoc, the place where you can find and book doctors who will make you feel comfortable, listen to you, and prioritize your health. And you can search by location, availability, and insurance. So literally no compromises here because with ZocDoc, you've got more options than you know. ZocDoc is a free app and website where you can search and compare highly rated in-network doctors near you and instantly book appointments with them online. You can filter specifically for ones who take your insurance, are located near you, and treat basically any condition you're searching for. And the typical wait time to see a doctor booked on ZocDoc is between 24 and 72 hours. So go to ZocDoc.com slash DearHank and download the ZocDoc app for free. Then find and book a top-rated doctor today. That's Z-O-C-D-O-C dot com slash DearHank. ZocDoc.com slash Dear Hank. Sometimes I like to imagine the world after us, the strange mammals that will emerge, the abundance of biodiverse plant life taking over our fields and factories and so on. I don't think this world will be better. I maintain that we are the most interesting thing to happen on Earth, and there is real beauty and meaning in our curiosity and compassion even as we also cause and witness so much suffering. But at any rate, there will be a world after us, after each of us. And that's why there's life insurance. It exists to provide a financial safety net to those who love and count on you. Policy Genius's technology makes it easy to compare life insurance quotes from America's top insurers in just a few clicks to find your lowest price. With Policy Genius, you can find life insurance policies that start at just $292 per year for $1 million of coverage. Some options offer same-day approval and avoid unnecessary medical exams. So save time and money and provide your family with a financial safety net using Policy Genius. Head to policygenius.com or click the link in the description to get your free life insurance quotes and see how much you could save. That's policygenius.com. Policy Genius, because there will be a world without us. Next question comes from Daphne, who asks, Dear Hank and Trap, I recently saw this artistic post with the caption, Get under the shower, you dirty And I was really caught off guard by the use of under rather than in. Should it be under? I understand that we get in the bath because we're literally in the water, but we aren't in the water in a shower. We're under it. When we talk about showers, do we mean the glass box that we stand in or the stream of water coming out of the shower head? Starting to think John might be right about baths, Daphne. First of all, Mm. John's, I mean, I guess it's fine. You can bathe whatever way you like. (laughs) I'm sorry. Are you a a bather? I I am not. And the the place I live now has no bath. It just has a shower. Um, So even if I was a bather, I, I... I, I would have no choice. It's I wouldn't be able to do it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I like this question because, you know, my initial res- response to hearing like get under the shower is like, that's so wrong. Uh, don't say that. That's not the right preposition <laughs> for that. But then it is like, well, I can't. I do think that like a shower by definition has to be above you. Right. Like you can't have a yeah. shower coming from any other direction. But I think I can get in a shower and not get wet. Okay. So you're you're saying the shower is defined because I don't because I think that you're getting in the shower. Okay, it's the it's the room. It's the small little room that is created for the water to be. But you can have of. showers of things that are not the shower, right? Because you can have rain showers or showers of light, and like that right. can still apply this is to. True. And those if are I go all outside things, and yeah. it's and it's raining, like it's a it's a it's a shower. It's a shower. It's a and it's that a would. Light sh- that's I'm now I'm having a really hard time with with the calling of a rainstorm a shower, which is a thing that we do. <laughs> <laughs> but now I don't like it anymore. I'm I'm gonna, I'm protesting, and I don't want to. I don't want to. By one particularly dirty man who was like, "Ah, there's a shower outside." It's like that's not what that is. That's, that's rain. The- we know what rain is. Like, no, no, no. It's a shower, that's and it's, a, yeah, it's my I got, lucky I totally day. Got- <laughs> <laughs> I don't have an umbrella. Yeah. I don't need to do that. Um, what do they? They say like light showers. I mm-hmm. hate. I hate this now. Why do I not like this suddenly? <laughs> Now it feels like it's uh, designed to clean you. Yeah. But I do think, but also like if you, if, <laughs> if you, if you had a shower stall and mm-hmm. there was a shower nozzle 
that was coming from any direction but above you. Uh huh. If you if you went if you went if you got a hotel and you went to the bathroom, shoots from like, the sides, and they're like, "Here's the here's the shower," and it just like blasts from the sides. I feel like I would be like, "That's not a shower. That's something By else." <laughs> By far the best option here is if it comes right up from the bottom. Right. Uh, like, it's just the giantest bidet it's like, of all time. And it's just like, we know where the problem is. It's like, yeah, this is where most, most of the filth. It's like it's like those things bartenders use to clean glasses, you know? Yeah, like, yeah. Just sort of put the glass on top and just blasts water up. You're just in a container compartment with It doesn't of turn on until your feet hit it. Like, yeah. And it's like, and it, comes, it comes so strong and so hard. You really want it to stop. I hate the shower. <laughs> I feel well. Is it a shower? Well, that's it's, the thing. I think it's a shower if it's in the shower. Also, you don't get you don't but just get in a shower. If I'm gonna if I'm telling you that I'm about to be showered yeah. and I'm gonna clean myself, I don't yeah. say I'm gonna get in the shower. Do I? I say I'm gonna take a shower. Sure. Which makes me think that just a great deal of empathy for people who have to learn how to speak English. What? <laughs> you're There's not taking of... it anywhere. Where are yeah. you taking it? Well, it's not yours. You're not, you're not, you're not like what, what is the shower that is being taken? Is it, is it, is it the concept? Is it the action? Well, to loop things back around to taking terrain too. like, uh, I didn't think about this until I um, I took Russian in college. I retained almost none of it. But one of the one of the things I did retain was like really taking in how strange the construction "it's raining" is because okay. it, it's like, well, what is raining? It, like, it, it is raining, it, it. and it's like, what does it refer to? It's like just the general state of being. <laughs> like the 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 outside is raining right now. Like that's not right either. It's just like it. It is raining, and that construction doesn't exist in Russian. In Russian, it, that just if you want to say it's raining, you say like the rain goes. <laughs> or something something similar to that. It's yeah. like the rain is going right now. It's like, well, mm-hmm. that feels awkward yeah, to me. That it does make a little s- bit more sense. It does make more sense than it. Yeah. It's like, is it God? Like, what yeah. is... <laughs> it is raining. <laughs> like, uh-huh. oh, no. <laughs> I like this less than there are showers. <laughs> yeah. 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 And I'm going to take one. For... <laughs> and, then I, and then I guess I'll ha- have it, but I won't have it anymore. I will have had it. Right. Momentarily. I took, I took I the took shower. It. I took a shower. And then it and then it stopped existing. But to go back for a second now, okay. you, you said you said something about like getting into the shower, like that defines the shower or something like that. Well, yeah, I can get into the I can get into the shower and not sure. get wet. I cannot take a shower and stay dry, but I can okay. get into the shower and not be wet. Okay. I can be in there just like, I don't know, looking at watching a movie. I, I see. Book. So you're saying uh, that that is a more precise way because if you say get under the shower, that means you are under the water. But if you're saying yeah. get into the shower, you can be within the stall of the shower, but not under the shower of water. Yeah. But I also <laughs> think that in this particular construction, whereas whatever it, the, the, the joke was that you got to take a ba- take take a shower, you dirty. B- you can't. In that situation, you got to say get under the shower. Or get or like it's it's abstracting from the the normal <laughs> speech, yeah. So that we can like enjoy the phrase more. Because yeah. if you just said "take a shower, you dirty," I'm, uh, that's yeah. not that's not that's not fun. But and if you say "get in the shower, you dirty," that's a little more fun than "take a shower" because it's like you get in there. I'm telling you to get in. But if it's "get under," that's more fun. I don't know. I agree. I don't know I why agree with that. language. Yeah, it's like you know, like you know, when writing advice, like they always say, like you know, avoid cliches, and I and uh, but so much of this is because you just like once you hear a phrase enough times, like it no mm-hmm. longer makes an impact anymore. Right, and I think it's that it's like you just like tweak the words enough to be like, uh, like you really have to think about a shower now that I've like <laughs> changed these the the structure <laughs> yeah. of this just a tiny uh-huh. bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like it's like cre- creating some kind of structure that's pointing out the sort of ridiculousness of the phrase "take a shower." Yeah, or "it's raining." Give me, give me something that that pulls me out of the out of the sort of um, you know tropes of, of of English speech, and and I'll be like, well, that actually is more like what I'm doing. I'm yeah. more getting under the shower <laughs> than I am taking one, or over the shower if you decide to install one of our crazy bartender glasses. <laughs> <laughs> 
Okay, well, I think I learned way more about both the English language and water being sprayed on people than I expected to today. Mm. This next question comes from Sabrina, who asks, Dear Hankentrap, why is surprise such a large source of joy? Like, people go out of their way to buy a surprise. Surprise toys, mystery boxes, and bags. And there are even places on Etsy where they will send you a surprise outfit. Now, I have to admit, I am also a victim to the marketing scheme of a surprise. For some reason, the joy of opening a box with a mystery in it is so much more satisfying than picking something out for myself. Why are we so much more willing to spend money on a mystery rather than a sure thing? A teenager but not a witch, Sabrina. That's a great question. I hadn't really thought about that, despite the fact that I run a surprise sock company. (laughs) (laughs) Never questioned why people would want to purchase your product. Uh, (laughs) Well, I don't know. Like, I have always kind of thought, maybe thought that that's kind of a bit of a drawback, that you don't get to know what the socks are going to look like before they arrive. But now I'm thinking, yeah, it's kind of a little surprise that I get to have. I like it. I'm I'm fully with Sabrina here. Uh mm-hmm. but I, this is coming from uh someone who I'm I'm a very indecisive person and uh, oh, I feel like uh yeah. and it it only gets harder for things that don't really matter. Like if if it's a choice that really matters, it's like you can right. do a f- pretty good weighing of like pros and cons and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But if it's something like you know, let say like like here's 80 different patterns of sock you can have and it's like I yeah. don't I have to make a choice if I'm going to buy a pair of socks, but I don't mm-hmm. I don't want to doesn't really matter, but I still have to make a choice. And like that can be yep. kind of paralyzing. So mm-hmm. having someone else just be like, I'm gonna take care of this for you, I think is very comforting. <laughs> and then you get, but I don't also don't think so that's comforting. But there is, I think, a second, there's like a separate joy that comes from like actually like the discovery, right? Of like actually opening it and, and seeing like, what is this thing? What did I get? And that's, I think, a separate thing from just, like, avoiding a decision. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Well, I think there's there's a piece of that's like, can someone curate this for me? Like, I need a person who's better at socks than me, and I'd like you to choose that. I actually have I, I have there's a there's a local business in town that will give you a uh, a thrifted item every Ooh. not give, but you buy it like you pay a monthly thing and they'll just like give you one of the one of the things that they thought was really cool. And I love it. I like I love it. I wore one of them on our series um, and yeah. everybody complimented me on that shirt. <laughs> um, uh, so the, when the, the fuzzy red one with the with the collar. That when that one's there, every single person I walked by on that day <laughs> was like, oh, my, look, I love that one. Uh, and so I was like, what's wrong with all my other clothes? No one has said anything for the other five outfits. <laughs> oh, we deeply um, hate those. <laughs> Just, you know, we really, really hate those. <laughs> so I do love the curation aspect of the yes. person that I trust making a decision for me. But I also think that there is something to like, I don't know what it's going to be. And then I find out what it is. Mm-hmm. I love that. I think it's a I think it's a value that's that is delivered. Um and I like a blind bag from from like the Disney store with a Mickey that's painted like Boba Fett maybe. I'm into that. I don't know why. It's the experience. Yeah, I think I there got is neurotransmitters. <laughs> what I, yeah, I'm what I'm running into is the sort of like um I'm like running into like that that endless chain of why, right? Or it's cuz like I do think there is something uh-huh. inherently joyful about discovery like the chance to experience something new for the chance for novelty the chance Mm -hmm. to uh, like that is i think inherently joyful and going like getting a box and being like i don't know what's inside this but for that moment it has the potentiality to be something that could be incredible something you've never seen before that would really make you happy there's like a there's like maximum potential in there and i think there's almost like anxiousness as well like there's worry in that moment that's the worry is part of the excitement Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know what it's going to be. And and I'm worried that I'm like, sometimes like, maybe, I don't know, maybe I'm not going to like it. Yeah. And, but, and I think that there, that it is something that is like, that is just like deep within us. Like, I, I think about yeah. surprise a lot because, because I, I write comedy yeah. scripts and like mm-hmm. so much of comedy is about surprising people, but in a way that like also makes sense and is logical. And so it's like, okay, well, how do you like blend those two together? And like, how do you set up expectations in just the right way so that you can come in from the other side and and surprise someone? And I spend so much time like trying to like arrange the conditions for maximum surprise, but not a lot of time asking like, but why do we like to be surprised? <laughs> and yeah. Like why why is the surprise in and of itself like something that that is 
is a joy. And I don't I don't know, but it does feel like something like deep and biological. Yeah. It's it, yeah, I, I bet it is a tr- an evolved trait that con- conferred advantage to our ancestors, you know, sure. where it's like th- and and I think that humor is one of it's hard to see it in other species. I Like, I'm not going to say that it's definitely not there, but it's. It's very there for people. It's a really big deal. And it's so weird. Like, I bet if if and when <laughs> we meet some other intelligent species a thousand years in the future, they won't have humor like we do. They won't have laughter like we do. They, they like that. I don't like it. It seems weird enough that it's pro- like it's probably something that wouldn't happen every time a, an intelligent uh, living system evolved and, and like that makes it really special i feel like whereas music is all around like lots of different organisms make music which i think is another really lovely thing that people do but jokes feel pretty just human yeah we're so goofy <laughs> maybe and maybe a little like i'll something you said made me think about maybe it was in sapiens uh, i don't know if you read that book yeah yeah um but there uh, there's something i read that was talking about like how much human evolution has been sort of like uh, supportive of risk takers or like or from a, from a sort of broad uh, point, point of view of like humans have been rewarded mm-hmm. for taking kind of insane risks, yeah. uh, whether that is like canoeing across the Pacific or uh, spreading across like continents and and being like just like a little bit crazy, like just crazy enough to like do take these like these big risky moves that that. A lot of times fail, but sometimes pay off and then they pay off big. Mm-hmm. And I wonder if if this is all tied together yeah, of like yeah. this sort of like you're being rewarded for taking risks. You're being rewarded for for unknown for like looking at the unknown mm-hmm. and going like, ooh, yeah. that's cool, right? Yeah. And uh and if you're being like sort of if you're getting like these this like, you know, dopamine rush from like, ah, wow, the unknown. That's cool. And then to tie it back to your like, do aliens have humor? Like that does that mean that like we just look totally insane? Like we're just <laughs> laughing and giggling and yeah. taking insane risks and it's like a little bit crazy. Like we're like the crazy old prospector that you come into that is he was just like giggling and laughing and like, man, though that species is just off its rock. Well, I mean, please let me know if you know about this out there listening. Because <laughs> so there's a there's a lot of um, there are traits. So evolution does this, where you have a visible trait that's representative of something, representative of something else, but it's actually a good representation. Like antlers growing out of the head of an elk are gonna be bigger if that elk is better at finding resources and fighting off uh, mm-hmm. people competing for those elk competing for those resources. So like it's an actual sign of that elk's ability to thrive is how big the antlers are. Uh, you know, it's older. It's been able to eat a lot of food. It's big. It's strong, and and so it's not like it's not like a it's not like something you can fake. You can't grow big antlers if you didn't actually succeed, and mm-hmm. and so maybe there this is like humor and like the feeling of joy at surprise might be or like not necessarily being able to make a joke, but being able to enjoy one might be like antlers, but but for like <laughs> risk taking. Like safe risk taking and 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 like social success, where if you're good at like enjoying and laughing at a joke, it's a surrogate signal that you are also good at being curious and taking a a risk intelligently. Interesting. And and so that's like like humor evolved as a way to signal our ability to do those things. Seems like something that might that a researcher <laughs> might have looked into, and if you know about that, please send me the paper because I would love to see that. I could also see. But now we're just talking about humor instead of surprise. Yeah. Well, they're kind of tied, yeah, I think you're tied. But like yeah. there there being something to this developing as just a way of dealing with the sort of uh, like the cosmic horror of consciousness <laughs> being like yeah. being maybe like, every like conscious organism about, is really goofy because you can't do it otherwise you can't it would just drive it, it, it's like it's that you have to be a little goofy or you have to go totally insane yeah. you have to like look at the world around you and be like this is so crazy none of this makes any sense it's it uh, to be conscious right now on this earth is <laughs> so, so much so unlikely and yeah. so stupid that <laughs> I have to laugh at it. Otherwise, yeah. I will just crumple into yeah. a ball at the like, enormousness. I need of- someone 
to do a big <laughs> fart right now or else yeah. like it's not going to work at, like it, we can't be humans without like nice big fart sounds that we can yeah. have a good time with <laughs> i i like that uh farts are loud i think i i talked about this on twitter uh, a while back where i was i said I, I the fact that farts are loud kind of indicates that loud farts didn't hinder our ancestors ability to procreate and i love that for them (laughs) yeah it's it's interesting like something uh do let me posit this question to you okay uh and then i'll back up and explain what where this is coming from (laughs) do you think humans have the loudest farts and now i'm gonna back up and say because humans i know have a pretty large um, but ratio, but to the rest of your body ratio, yeah. because we are bipedal uh-huh. and we like need those strong gluteal muscles yep. to like move us around. Yeah, they do different kind of work. Uh, and yeah. a lot of the sound is going to come from air moving between those big old cheeks. It actually so, maybe doesn't. Okay. So, so I actually, I've looked into how fart noise happens and it mostly does not. <laughs> so like the, the cheeks matter. Oh, of but, course the cheeks matter. <laughs> The actual sound, though, Tank, of course. isn't the it's not the cheeks hitting each other. The sound okay. is is actually the anus itself flapping. So it's the anus uh, smacking together as pressure builds behind uh, and then the pressure is released. And then when the pressure releases, the anus slaps together again. The pressure builds. The anus opens. It slaps together after it releases. The pressure builds again over and over and over again. It's just like you can do it with a balloon. It's the same, like mechanistically, the same thing is happening. But um, it's the, it's. It, but most of the sound is from the anus and not the cheeks. Yeah, the cheeks can control what the anus is doing. So like if you like lift the <laughs> cheek, you can fart more quietly because the cheek isn't causing the anus to like it's not putting that pressure to slap it back together again but the noise is actually and also i think that it matters like the loudness of the fart matters that the rectum is full of gas and so like is kind of a sound uh like resonant chamber i can tell you're a professional um radio man because uh as soon as you when when you start describing the cheeks clapping together you, you clapped too so the audience could be fully transported to to the visual of, of two cheeks a fart so loud they're not the cheeks, the cheeks it's the anus stop misinforming people um actually <laughs> sabrina did this answer your question about why you like your mystery dress <laughs> but but seriously Another thing I really desperately want to know is what species has the loudest fart. And if it is humans, I think that without a doubt, that means that farts, we evolved intentionally loud farts. (laughs) Like, it's not like it didn't hinder us. It helped us. I really think there's a good chance that it could be humans. Because I I think... We we do have loud farts. Loud farts. And I, I think there's probably, like, so many... I, I try to imagine so many like predator prey relationships where it's like, hey, it is really uh, evolutionarily disadvantageous for you to have a loud fart right now. Like that, like that jaguar is going to eat you if you let out that if you like let one rip right now, uh, which is like true for humans too. Like with things prey on humans, but I wonder if sort of like I don't know being sort of top of the food chain for a while or whatever has sort of uh, allowed loud farts to uh-huh. to uh, to exist. So then you would think that the, the things with the loudest farts are going to be either the top of the food chain or the really big animals that don't have to worry so much. Yes. I was just reading that hippos, because I was like, like mm. maybe hippos have loud farts. Uh, they don't, though. They have quiet farts. They have long farts and they have disgusting farts, but they don't... <laughs> They're they're silent but deadly. They're, but they're not they're not loud. Uh, so like great white sharks can't possibly have a loud fart. They're sharks. Did they fart at all? I don't know. <laughs> I'd love to know the answer to that question. <laughs> that, that well, that seems like something I should know. Uh, elephants. <laughs> you didn't you didn't catch that scene in Jaws? <laughs> it's like it's like you've got a great white, the loudest farters on the planet. I like the I do like the idea. They're there on the SS Indianapolis. There's like a there's like a mouse hiding from a fox, and it's just like. Be very quiet, and its little hearts just, and it's it's sitting there next to its like you know what like mouse wife, and and she's like, quiet, Henry, quiet, and then and and then he's like, oh no, Susan, Susan, and she's like, what's wrong, Henry, and he's like, and he's just like, tiny mouse fart, and then and then the fox is just like, honk, that's the, but we don't have to worry, we're we're humans, we can fart in front of a great white shark and. 
actually probably that would be a bad idea. We are on on a on a on a species level the rude uh yeah. the like rude husband from a 90s sitcom who's <laughs> like we're just letting it go. <laughs> like what are you going to do? Eat us? <laughs> you can't. <laughs> Good luck with your time zone South America. <laughs> um I I've I have so many questions and I feel like we're about to get to a really deep and true truth about humans. So we need to stop the podcast because if if we get to it through farts, then we're going to then, then like it, I don't know what anybody's going to take us seriously. And also it might it might be a problem for the eventual white paper that we publish in, in nature. So but I'm looking yeah. forward to doing that. Everybody go check out Mentopolis on Dropout TV. It was one of the best things I have ever done in my life creatively. It was so good. So uh, yeah, I, 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 I'm extraordinarily privileged to have been able to be a part of that cast. So thanks for doing it with me, Trap, and thanks for coming on. Oh, I, I felt privileged to be able to play play with you, of course. Uh, it was a, it was a great time. And there's also lots of other really amazing stuff on, on dropout.tv. If you haven't uh, heard of that or seen it, what's happening? Come on, Game Changer. Come on. it's the It should get Emmys. It's the, it's the best. It's like, I hope, I hope it gets a Tony for Christ's sake. I don't know how, but I feel like how it How did could. they do this? Someone put a, someone put a, an iPhone on stage and they just let it play, <laughs> autoplay for, through a couple, couple seasons of, of Game Changer and somehow they got a Tony. That's how it works. That's how it works these days. If you want to send us questions for the podcast, you can do that at hankandjohn at gmail.com. We don't have a podcast without you, so thank you to everybody who does that. This podcast is edited by Joseph Tunamedish. It's produced by Rosiana Rojas. Our communications coordinator is Brooke Shotwell. Our editorial assistant is Debuki Chakravarti. The music you're hearing now and at the beginning of the podcast is by the great Gunnarola. And as they say in our hometown, don't, don't forget, forget to be awesome. awesome.